Well, good Saturday, my friends. I'm here with Heather Lofthouse again for a coffee clutch. Wait, wait, coffee clutch? Is it clutch? I think it's clutch. Clutch. What yeah. is that? What, what does that mean, clutch? Well, so, I mean, I think the derivation is German, but I think it's, you know, a conversation around some coffee. It's just an informal conversation. Is that what it no? is? Okay. Well, anyway, I'm yeah. here with, uh, with Heather. Heather and I, by the way, go back was it 17 years you were my student mm -hmm. in 2005 true at the goldman school you were my graduate student mm -hmm. uh so you are 17 years older than you were then mm -hmm. and you were yeah you were getting on then too yeah no i'm kidding you Stop. yeah public <laughs> policy uh but uh you are now uh the executive director of inequality media and doing a fabulous job uh, and um, what we uh, like to do, for those of you who are kind of listening in, oh, Heather, let me introduce. Uh, these are a, a wonderful group of people, uh, the a kind of a, a community we're forming on Substack. And, uh, well, I thought it would be a good idea. We've tried this once before, but I really would like us, you and me, and this community to kind of strike up a little bit more of a, a weekly conversation. Yes, please. About, about uh, what's happened during the week. And it was an eventful week. And I have questions yeah. that I'm often asking you, and I think it would be nice for other people to hear your answers. Oh, well, that's I, I, okay. Yes. So, I mean, today I open up the New York Times. I'm assuming that's often how you start your days. Uh, I do, although young people are amazed that I open up the New York Times. I mean, because they're all reading the New York Times on their, their, oh. their iPhones and their mobile devices. And um, several days ago, I was having breakfast and I was reading the New York Times, you know, in print. Right. And some uh, young person who must be in my class uh, came up to me and said, uh, is that is that is that the New York Times? No. <laughs> yes, really. That's kind of amazing. Did they need to borrow it to send a package or something? I don't, yeah, they you probably know. did for yeah. stuffing. Right. Mean, yeah. Exactly. Um, but so opened it up today depressing as all get out per usual mm. ukraine at the top and it you know i mean it just makes you queasy to think about well i i, I don't I, I mean the the ukraine war uh putin's war is so difficult because it it is a european war um and it is so one-sided uh it's extraordinary that uh, the Ukrainians are, are able to do what they've accomplished in terms of pushing the Russians back, but uh, they are outgunned, outmaneuvered. Uh, uh, it's it's not, I fear it's not going to end well. Uh, but what I've been thinking about, Heather, is all of the people in the Republican Party, just to bring it back home, yes, uh, who, uh, re prominent Republicans, members of Congress who are rooting for Putin. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I wanted to ask you. You have been writing about this on Substack. Um, and I think you have spoken about the fact that when you you know live through the last Cold War, it felt like it was the other, the neo-fascism, the authoritarianism. It felt far away, and now it's happening right here. It's in our midst, um, and uh, you have, for the first time in my memory, and I think for the first time actually in the country, uh, country's memory, you have are two political parties. One of them is not in favor of democracy. Right. Uh, and uh, that 
non-democracy party or anti-democracy party has many members. I mean, substantial. I mean, I'm not talking about everybody. Certainly well, the Republican Party is right. split. Uh, but there are prominent Republicans who are saying things that are negative about the United States or certainly positive about Putin. Uh, and they're mouthing Donald Trump. I mean, it's the Trump-Putin axis. Uh, and it is here in the United States. And uh, it's remarkable. I mean, I, in, if Republican voters in the midterms don't uh, respond negatively and forcefully and vocally uh, to this segment of the Republican Party, then I don't know what country we're in. I know. It's grim. Is there anything to be done? Pay attention to it? Well, I think Democrats have to talk about it. Uh, it can't be the only thing Democrats talk about, obviously. And I, you know, I hope Democrats really do develop for the midterms a very... A powerful economic populist agenda, because uh, as we've been talking about for quite some time, big corporations are uh, extraordinarily profitable. They are the response. They are what's behind inflation, and we can go down that whole direction. But right now, I think it's very important for Democrats to point out that the culture wars that the Republicans are mounting are built very much on this kind of Putin authoritarian uh, Trump axis. Uh, and it is uh, it runs counter to everything we believe or have believed as a country. Right. Do you want to turn off your phone? No, we'll ignore it. No, we'll ignore it. <clears throat> we'll ignore it. Um, in terms of Republicans making interesting, shall we say, choices, shameful choices, this week, SCOTUS, we have a new confirmed. Isn't that great? I mean, talk, I about, Let's talk, talk about, about positive news. Right. I mean, Judge Jackson is uh, extraordinary. I, I I have not met her. I've read all about her. I know people who do know her. Uh, she will be a uh, a wonderful, important presence on the Supreme Court. And this is an historic moment. I mean, it's not. She's not going to solve all of our problems. Well, no, she's not going to change the balance on the court. I, I mean, she's replacing Steve Breyer. So it's still 6-3. Uh, and most members of the court uh, are appoint have been appointed by Republican presidents uh, who lost the popular vote. I mean, talk about absurdity. Yeah. Uh, but um, don't underestimate the power of a Supreme Court justice whose opinions themselves are powerful. And I think um, Justice Jackson's will be, uh, from everything that I've read by her and of her, uh, those, are, those powerful opinions do eventually move other members of the court. Uh, it's, the court is obviously partisan, uh, and it's more partisan now than I ever remember it. Uh, but, uh, but, but opinions matter court opinions, written opinions, uh, the positions of these justices do matter. And she will have a, I think, a very important effect. Good. Um, so the other thing I was, I mean, I've been trying to track all that's going on in the news and then where you are all over the place. So you testified before the Senate this week and tell us about your standoff with Lindsey Graham. Oh, you know, Heather, first of all, let me just say one of the great virtues of the Zoom era we're right. in is that I can testify and I don't have to go to Washington. I don't have to <laughs> schlep there, waste three days, not waste, use up three days. Uh, and that's just the travel time. <laughs> that's right. I mean, 
Um, so I've been doing more testifying uh, before Congress than usual. And um, and the topic, by the way? The topic of this one was corporations. Uh, I touched on it a moment ago. Big corporations uh, who are actually pushing up prices. Uh, this was the Senate Budget Committee. Uh, Bernie Sanders is the chair. Yes. He obviously is interested in this issue. Uh, I was the lead-off witness. And uh, uh, when you are testifying, you get five minutes, usually, to summarize your, your points. Uh, but the real meat of the hearing comes after the people testify, and that is when senators uh, have a chance to ask you questions. And that, that's when, when the, you know, I, the, the mere opportunity uh, to respond to Lindsey Graham, who wanted to turn the whole issue into the southern border and mount, you know, another Republican culture war. Yep. Uh, and uh, it was such a true pleasure to be able to torque it back to the topic. And basically, basically, uh, you know, I couldn't say this, but the subtext of what I was saying is, Senator, why are you mounting a culture war now when we are dealing with inflation that is being driven by big corporations of a sort that are paying you uh, and 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 being pay, paying your campaign bills and Republicans backing all these Republicans? Hypocrisy. Uh, hypocrisy. <laughs> well, it's hypocrisy, but it's worse than hypocrisy. Lindsey Graham uh, typifies. I think today's Republican Party, in the sense that you know he was anti-Trump right after January sixth, and then he's now pro-Trump, or he's not always pro-Trump, and he does. He's just he, he has no zero principles. He is not just unprincipled. Uh, I think the man really is uh, kind of the most cynical illustration of where the Republican Party has landed, which is that they stand for nothing right. except demagoguery. I know. Um, okay, so we, I know time is passing here. Well, this how, is this doesn't have to be an interview. No, it's not an interview. I but mean, I am. I have about a million things I'd like to ask. Well, but I I'm, recognize I'm, you probably have things to do, like I, testimonies and stuff. I have things I'd like to ask you too. I mean, this is this is coffee. Coffee. Enjoy, enjoy your coffee. Um, this is the coffee clutch. Yeah, um, we're just we're just sitting but, here. How are you having a bagel? But how I find it overwhelming how much you're able to do in a given week. I oh, mean, don't the flatter me. You are well. You I'm work... flattering you, but I also can you write some more. We need to do more videos. Is yeah. what I'm really getting. Heather, at. you work much harder than I work. No, but um, how do you do it? You are a workaholic. How um, do you? I mean, get yourself to stop, or do you not? Well, how do you, you get yourself? You have a you have a, a husband and a child at home. Uh, I have a wife. And I have no children at home. And uh, for me, the more I do, the more I want to do. That's the problem. That's my problem, too. Uh, my, here's the thing. I, for me, work is not work. Right. It's play. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's therapeutic. At a time like this, when stresses are so huge, you know, everybody is stressed. Right. You know, it's both personal stresses about uh, relationships and marriages and, and money and uh, you name it and the pandemic, and then there are other big stressors like right. what's happening in, in, in Europe and war and, uh, you know, climate change and uh, our attacks on democracy. There's so much stress in the system and in everybody's system that I, and I think you do this too, use work as, as, as therapy, just as a way of expressing yourself and a way of trying to channel uh, your 
anxiety and also energy right. in a direction that is positive. Right. And I do have to say we're privileged to not have some of the stresses that so many other people have as it relates to race and otherwise. Absolutely. Uh, and we are also privileged to be doing something that we enjoy. I mean, right. How many Americans, how many people in the world uh, are able to think of their work as enjoyable? I know. It's true. I mean, the curse there, honestly, you put your finger on, is that I don't know, I don't know when to stop. Right. I mean, I, I literally, I can work till midnight. I can get up at six in the morning and start work, working. But I don't mean to be a sycophant. I'm, this is just a factual. It sycophantish. Just sycophantish. But I mean, you are so prolific. But then I learned recently that not only do I force you to write videos for us, thank you, Mr. Secretary, but... You've written plays? I found that out the other day. When did you do that? In the middle of the night? No, that was a secret, and you're not supposed to. And I, Oops. Anybody who's listening right now, please don't share this with anybody. <clears throat> well, I had one play that was actually produced on the East Coast and the West Coast to rave reviews, right? and they, both times they packed in more performances than they were uh, planning to do. Uh, but uh, it was called... Uh, Indecent exposure. Oh, public exposure. Public exposure. Public Ooh. exposure is the name of the play. And that's mm. all I'm going to tell you about it, except that when, one night uh, on Cape Cod in the theater there, when, uh, at, right after the performance, uh, packed house, I was getting in my car to go home, and a lady who had seen the program came running out, running up to me. Uh, Mr. Reich, Mr. Reich. I said, yes. She said, um, I said, did you like the play? She said, um, how did you justify spending all that time writing that piece of crap? <laughs> what a compliment! <laughs> I was, it, it yeah, sort of she loved put, your dribble. It put me put me in my place. Let's put it that way. Yes. So, I mean, should we come to a close? Uh, yeah, we don't have any more time, and people out there don't have any more time. I want to just, Heather, thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, I want to turn my attention to our wonderful Substack community. Um, I understand. I hear from many of you. I understand how stressful and difficult this period is for you. Um, I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to continue to do my best to give you the um, insights and frameworks um, that you that are helpful to you. Uh, but please also give me feedback. If there's something you'd like me to focus on more than I am, uh, or drawings, or or anything else. Um, I, uh, I, I really do want to be here for you. Thank you for listening, Heather. Thank you for your coffee clutch. See you next week. Bye.